Hello, welcome to Making Sense Out of Autism. My name is Pam Kachouf. And I'm Pat Miller. And we are the co-founders of Beloved Bath. And we are also moms of young adults with autism. And we work with beautiful scents every day in our candle and soap business. And we are always trying to make sense out of autism. And today we are welcoming... And I'm very excited. Our first uh, guest to the podcast, welcome Una Murray, who lives in New York. We are in New Jersey and she's in New York. And autism varies from state to state for all the people who have children with autism or work in autism. You know that services Services, go around from state to state. And Una has three children. She has a 30-year-old daughter and twin boys with autism. So welcome, Una. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your twin sons and um, your experiences as an autism mom? So uh, as we know, you meet one child or a person with autism, you've met one person with autism. So I have two sons who are different. Uh, but there are some similarities. Uh, they went through the regular uh, public school system here in New York, in my town, and graduated at 18 um, with, a dip- with a high school diploma. Um, and then, it, you know, we were wondering what to do. So right now, one of my sons, so I'll use their names, Austin, is... Um, living in his own apartment uh, as part of a program and um, he gets supports and he has a part-time job. Um, And the other son, Harry uh, is living here in our house with my husband and I, and he does many things, none of which makes any money, but (laughs) that's, you know, where, so that's our job for him is trying to see where he will end up eventually. So when they were both diagnosed with autism, did they present the same way or have they always been very different and on different paths? Yeah, they've been very different. And because they were twins, we really tried very hard to keep them separately, separate so they could, you know, uh, evolve themselves separately. And one guy is very, I like to say he takes up a lot of oxygen in the room. He's in a good way. When he comes in the room, you know, he's in the room. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a result, the other guy is quiet, kind of fades into the background, Um, you know, doesn't want to cause any problems, you know, never wants to be in trouble. So they have, you know, two, two separate. So that's funny, Una, because I have typical twin boys who are 24 oh. years old and John, oh, boy. youngest, who has autism, who's 21. And so mm-hmm. I understand that perfectly because my twins are very different. And 
the way you describe yours is the way I probably could describe mine. One mm-hmm. takes a lot of energy up, always has, always had to be the center of retention. I always say this story is that, you know, when they were little, he had to grab the pacifier out of his brother's mouth. He had to have his <laughs> bottle. He had to have his toy, no matter what, where the other one would just say, just take it, you know, like ask him first, ask Philip what he wants first. And so the other one kind of just is very easygoing and lets his brother take up that energy. Yeah whatever. And so I think that's a very common theme that I see with twin moms. But I guess the thing that's very curious to me is with the autism part of it, like, do they get along? Do they have a relationship? What is their Mm -hmm. sibling Mm -hmm. relationship look like? So I would say it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, I think um, one um, wants to have a, 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 a closer relationship. Um, and the other one wants room and space and which can be, you know, disappointing, uh, to the other person. And it's difficult for us to manage that, you know, the person who wants space is entitled to have space, Mm -hmm. yet you would like to foster that sibling, you know, relationship and, uh, you know, it's difficult to oh, manage yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And do they both have a good amount of language, Una, where they can? Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So they're, they're verbal and they also, um, uh, as I was, you know, I can go into later, uh, they both actually do writing. They like to write. Nice. So, um, yeah. Um, so they have a lot of language and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We hear from a lot of our friends who have twins, we've got a bunch of Mm -hmm. um, friends who have twins with autism who don't have the language. And a a lot of times what we hear is that um, they set each other off or they need to be separate or they thrive when they're alone um, in a group, but not with their, uh, not with their twin. So it seems like it can be a little hard to navigate. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I, I don't know how long one of your sons has not been living in the home, but I'm thinking that might help the relationship because there is natural space, you know, because with my typical twins, they hated each other. I mean, hate is not even like a strong enough word. I mean, they fought over everything their entire lives. And then they went away to colleges in separate states and finally found that space that they both Mm -hmm. did. And now they're best friends. Mm -hmm. So I do hope Mm -hmm. that will evolve as well. Once there's that space, that's naturally a physical separation that allows them each to find themselves in a way that they can't, you know? Yes. I think, I mean, that's certainly our hope. And I think that probably is a result of uh, maturity. Yes, and and so uh, and if we um, you know take for granted that uh, my sons have a developmental delay, that mm-hmm. may happen later on yes. in their development. Sure. So we're kind of hoping, mm-hmm. you know. We're hoping, yes, we're just waiting. Home, because I never thought it was possible. And I remember one of John's therapists is a twin. And she said that when they were little and they would kill each other, she said, don't worry, my sister and I killed each other. And then we went away to college and now we're best friends. And so I never believed it until it happened. So I do have hope that it will, <laughs> as time comes on, happen. <laughs> Great. Great. Thank you. So looking back a little bit, even though we're focusing on adulthood, are there any things that you did when your boys were younger that you feel like were great 
um, experiences or led them to the success that they had? And are there any times that you look back and say, you know, if I could have done this differently, I think we would have ended up in a spot that would have been um, more independent for them. Just any pitfalls or highs, lows, strategies. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I, I, I know personally, I think um, in this situation, you know, I'm constantly racked with guilt about what could I have done differently? Yeah. What, what would mom is it, right? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, we all have that guilt, but I mean something like, I'll give you an example for, for me and maybe. Um, so I always look at Pat and her son is much more um, active in the community than my son because mm-hmm. she started mm-hmm. it younger and I'm mm-hmm. playing catch up. So mm-hmm. I feel like by saying that out loud, if somebody's listening, they can say, oh, you know what? Maybe I want to try to sign my kid up for that, you know, bowling league, even though I'm really nervous that it won't work. Not mm-hmm. uh, not all of the ways that we twist ourselves <laughs> and yes. crummy about things that we did or didn't do, but anything that you would do on a different timeline or you know, make any adjustments to or any things that you did that you would say, wow, this is, you know, a shining example of how competent I am as an author. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> or strategies for those who are learning, you know, I mean, right. do this over, I would. <clears throat> dot, dot, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I guess the only thing I could say is I, we tried everything. I tried everything, you know, camps, um, different camps, uh, different classes, you know, Boy Scouts, um, uh, you know, the music, everything. And, uh, you know, it was not one thing kind of took off to the races. And I think we... I, I'm hoping that all of those little experiences, the Boy Scouts in one case, and, um, you know, writing for a little newspaper, we, you know, somebody started a little, uh, you know, paper, news, newspaper in quotes. Um, and, you know, uh, Harry wrote for that, uh, wrote an article about his experience at, uh, you know, a Disney World or something like that. I, I'm, I can just hope that all of those little tiny pieces of experiences, they took things and it got integrated somehow. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Well, that's a great um, point. That's an absolute great point of trying so many different things because you never know what it is. You never know. Yeah, and even though you felt like not one thing took off, you're right. There was probably advantages, skills learned, positive things that came out of each of those that built into who they are and how they cope and what's, you know, their life right. look like. And so I think that's a really good strategy. Cause again, as autism moms, we're often so paralyzed, right? There's so much to do that, you know, taking them to basketball or adding, you know, boy scouts is just overwhelming. And so yes, and don't do it. And so, you know, pushing yourself, pushing your kids. Cause you know, one of the things I always tell Pam is that practice makes perfect. Like when I took John to soccer at 10 years old, he looked at me like, what is this? You know, I want to be in a pool that he likes to swim. He didn't want to play soccer. And now he's mm-hmm. 21 and guess what? He still plays on that same soccer league and he mm-hmm. loves it. And so mm-hmm. you just have to keep the exposure going and hope that something clicks or something comes out yes. of 
long-term, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, I I would also say uh, two things. One is it's hard to know. I think you have to listen to your kid uh, who, you know, if they're saying, I don't want to go to, you know, uh, Boy Scouts anymore. I don't want to go to Boy Scouts. I don't like it there. You know, so you you also have to listen to that, which is a difficult there may be something going on there that they can't fully express to you that they did, there's an atmosphere or something that they don't, they are not happy with. So mm-hmm. that's a, that's a battle too. You have yeah. to give them yes. some time to get used to it. And then if they're still saying, yeah, this is not for me, then, you know, you have to know when to give up. But you mentioned, um, something that, you know, uh, uh, you could learn from or something you do differently. Right. And one of my sons went to a post-secondary, post-high school program out of state, um, you know, highly regarded. And uh, we were, you know, quite hopeful. It was one of those things where uh, the, I'll say child, the, the student goes and they can either prepare for work, do some internships, or they can go to school and it's all supported and, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't work out for him. And I think the first thing I noticed was that the staff, most of the staff, if not all of them, including the higher level of staff, um, had second, second jobs, secondary jobs. And I thought to myself, if this is a professional, you know, situation, with professionals who have masters and et cetera, why do they need, so they weren't being paid enough what I wanted to say. And I, and then that only trickled down to the daily support staff who definitely did not get training and did not have the support or pay that we would like for a professional staff. And that ended up being, uh, you know, reflected in their ability to handle situations. So that's something that I would really keep in mind is to, if you are, you know, giving your child to a program, just make sure who's running the program, you know, what the situation is, how developed the staff is, what's their staff development, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's great, important. Great point. It it's is. hard. It it's is. Hard. It's a really great point. And, you know, we want our children who are young adults who are able to go on to some sort of college or secondary program to have success. Right. And so if they're not in a program where it's built in a way that the staff can help them be successful, be it training, be it right amount of pay, be it primary job, whatever those things are, you know, it's really going to fail. And it's very unfortunate. And I think, you know, we're still in this autism adult learning world where people know it's important and they want to develop it, but they haven't really refined how to develop it in a way so that it is extremely successful. And so we, you know, we have a young man who comes to work for us at Beloved Bath and he went to college and, you know, he said after a year, he he couldn't do it. It wasn't, he wasn't successful. And so, you know, from what we can see in his skill sets, there's no reason why he wouldn't be successful in college, but you know, it's just not supported enough in a way so that they can be. And so there mm-hmm. is definitely, definitely some work to be done in that area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, true. Um, at the governmental level, I mean, in terms of uh, 
pay for direct support people. I mean, in, well, you, that's you it, know, yeah. they're in New Jersey mm-hmm. and I, probably different in New York, but maybe not too different. Right. Uh, you know, the caps of what people can get paid. So people who work with high school and elementary school kids are making a decent living. And then you go into the adult world and the salaries just go all the way down. Right. And it's, you're and not it's going baby, to, it's a babysitter basically. Yes. It's you're not, not going to get the people who need not, have the yeah. training. It's not a trained individual who's going to take your adult to the next level. And let's face yes. it, you know, autism is a lifelong disability, right? It doesn't yes. stop at 21 and it's great in the state of New Jersey. And I'm sure there's a lot of good schools in New York too, you know, that you are and can be supported in a very nice way, but then you hit 21 and it's like, well, now what? you know? And so that kind of has to catch up now. Yes. It's the falling off the cliff (laughs) that everybody talks about when they turn 21 and leave the school system. And I don't think it would be such a steep fall if there were people who were paid properly to work with our population. Absolutely. Is key. And I don't know where that changed comes i don't know how we bring it about (laughs) anyone who has ideas email us and reach out because it's important Mm -hmm. it's so important yeah so una what do you think the most difficult uh time or thing was when your um twins were transitioning from education to adulthood what would you say was probably the most difficult challenge you had that can help well uh I agree just, with we're just getting there. Yes. You know? our, so, yes, yes. Graduating this year. Just, just yes, in June. Yes. So like, how do you help us prepare for what's next? <laughs> well, it's great. It's all great. So, you know, I developed a very good relationship with the school district. It was our local school district. My daughter went through the, the system. I was the, um, you know, I, I was the president of the SEPTA PTA three times. Wow. Nobody nobody else would do it, of course. <laughs> so I had a good relationship with the school district. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I would recommend, if I could, is to utilize that resource as much as you can. Uh, you know, ask them everything that they know, every program that they've heard about, anything that they know, because as you just said, they are, you know, they've been in it a long time. They know who's been successful. Uh, they know maybe programs that have not been so successful. And they they are the professional staff, if you will. So I would really recommend utilizing your school district if you have a good relationship with them and get every bit of information that you can and ask them if they would be willing to continue, um, you know, as a brain uh, trust after graduation, um, because you may want to run some things by them. And, you know, if they're nice people, you know, they're going to. Yeah, that is a great point because actually I, my husband and I just had a meeting with John's school last week and we, it was about what's the annual planning meeting going to be because this is his last year and it's less than a year, right? It's only a few yeah. months. 
point. And like, you know, so we sat down and we came up with a list of like, you know, the top priorities and what we want John to be learning in these last few months where he has this rich educational system and, you know, mm -hmm. how to bring us in to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, train and understand it so that we can carry it out. But the key that they said to me, which is exactly what you're saying, which was so lovely to hear was that, listen, even though he graduates in June, we're always here. We're a phone call away. If there's a problem, if there's a question, if there's a need, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call us. And I think, you know, you make an important point. It was really nice for me to hear that, you know, our, you know, my son's been in that school since he was four. He's now 21. It's not through our school district. It's actually a specialized school for kids with autism because John, my son does not have language. And so he has, you know, a lot more um, needs, I believe, just because you can't communicate those goals and those wants and those desires. And so, you know, it's always a very scary place to think about. You don't have that kind of support that you've had for the last, you know, 17 years. And so mm -hmm. I think that it's a great point for, you know, moms to and dads to think about is that although this school and your and our district has been so supportive, um, that they still can be a resource after. Mm -hmm. And yes. if you can't get that support from the school that your child is going to or from your community, because some people aren't as fortunate as, you know, the three of us seem to be in terms of our schools and our, um, you know, districts, there are organizations, there are local organizations. And I always find the mom groups are the best thing because people aren't being politically correct. They just say what's <laughs> going on. And I, you know, Pat and I have been very lucky because we basically have been on this journey together since our kids were so young. Did you have any friends who were, you made through autism and how did that? Yes, work? yes, yes. I, that was another thing I was going to say is for any new parent starting out, I found, well, this was in the dark ages in the early 200s, right? So people didn't have phones all the time. So those um, PTA, special ed PTA meetings were a lifeblood for mm -hmm. us. Uh, we were able to come and discuss things about the school or, or those um, <clears throat> recreational programs, what was good and what was not good and what was working. And I'm still to this day, very good friends with a handful of women that I met at that point. So I have found, I, we call them our special mom group, you know, and it, they have been, a, you know, really a lifesaver for me at, for various reasons, um, you know, through life, because it's a, you know, there are challenges to your own personal life, your family life. Um, and these women have that same experience. So yeah, that's very, very important to me. And now I'm online um, on, you know, there's a thing called a special moms network um, online on Facebook, I should say. Mm -hmm. And um, Interesting. it's, is that an open uh, group for people? You, you have to, you you have to apply, you know, in quotes, apply you. I think there, uh, I could be wrong about this. I think there could be some questions, you know, do you have a child, you know, to, to sort of vet, you know, that the person um, asking to come in is actually a parent. Um, but yes, it's an open group that you could apply on the special moms network on Facebook. Okay. That's um, great. Yeah. That's a great resource. We didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, so that's absolutely. nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I do know it's mostly it started in New York, but I do know that it, they have people from all over, 
you know, and people will sometimes say, I'm from New York, but I'm moving to California. Does anyone have any information, you know, in California that would be helpful to me? So um, I would definitely recommend um, checking it out. We will check it out. Okay. That's great. Um, I would just um, mention one other thing is that because uh, I, I did try and get both of my uh, boys, I call them boys, they're not boys anymore, um, uh, you know, some sort of work experience, right? I try, I had that in my head, what can we do to get, you know, some sort of experience in the real world? <clears throat> and so uh, I, you know, that was a big push for me. And um, I think that that, that helped. So my one son, Austin, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, went to Landmark College. He went to Thames Academy in uh, Mitchell College, which was a, a transitional program. And then he did three years at Landmark College. <clears throat> Sorry. And in the last year, he did not graduate with a degree from uh, Landmark College, but you know, he in effect spent four years away from home, living in a dorm and, you know, following the academic year. And, but it was clear he was not going to get a degree. So in that last year, or what we thought would be the last year, um, I asked the school to create an internship for him. And so they did. And so he had a little job on campus. That's cool. Um, yeah. I mean, and he actually got paid. Uh, you know, I had no, <laughs> I had no expectation about that, but he got, he got a little pay, paycheck. That's so, great. yeah. So I, you know, if that's in the future, mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest doing that. And then um, also Har- Harry at this other program, which didn't work out for him in the long run, they also got him a an internship. So he was able to do that. And I don't need to tell you uh, that little bit of, um, uh, you know, uh, bo- ego boost mm-hmm. is immeasurable. Yes. And um, it, so I would recommend trying to do that in whatever way. For sure. And I mean, as you know, beloved Beth's whole mission is to yes. people and give them a meaningful employment and to pay them. And so yes. you know, that has been something that we feel very strongly about here because, you know, we have a lot of workers who come in here and they'll say, this is the first time they've ever been paid for a job. And they've worked at CVS and they've worked in Staples and they've worked in all these other places that volunteer opportunities. And we thank those employers for giving them those volunteer opportunities. But you know what? There's nothing like like that ego boost and that job satisfaction of that, you know, worker here really getting that paycheck. And so, you know, it really is important. And it is something that no matter where your your young adult falls on the spectrum, can get employment, you know? So, I mean, I think that, you know, one of the, I guess, highlights for us is that, you know, that same mom group you were talking about, we have a little mom group that we met years and years ago when our boys were first diagnosed because we were trying to open a school because the school districts were not providing um, an education that was, um, you know, as meaningful as it needed to be for our boys. And so there was a bunch of moms who started the school, Pam and I were part of that group. And there are at least three other moms from that group whose boys now work here. 
And so it has come full oh, circle. It's it feels so good and it to feels have so them. Good. And you know what? They're all different levels. Many of them don't have language, but let me tell you, they come here, they are productive, they are happy, and they are spending their paychecks. They'll go for pizza, they'll go for dinner, they'll buy what they need. And that's so much value in that. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Immeasurable, I would say. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and even in what you said, even though something doesn't have to fully be successful. If you can pull out little bits that are wins, then that's, that's a win. You don't have yes. to win. Agree. Round, you know? <laughs> Agree. Little Very bit. little is a win yeah. all around, right? A little bit. So uh, tell us, Una, are there any things that you have done over the years? Because we know how overwhelming and exhausting it can be as autism moms. Anything that you've done for yourself that um, has made a difference for you or any way you keep your, I don't know, sanity, focus, your coping mechanisms. We all have them. (laughs) So I will go back to that uh, group of, you know, special moms group. I really, really um, can't stress that enough that they have been a lifeline and we have been a lifeline for each other, you know, obviously. Right. Um, That's very, very important. Um, And you know, I've been very lucky to have uh, a, a large group of friends from high school, um, some even from grade school. And that, believe me, that is a long time ago. So that and and, you know, if I can't um, get out to meet them, uh, then, you know, at least um you know, we're talking to each other on the phone or uh, now through Zoom, which is also a great mechanism. Um, I have to say, you know, I don't get massages regularly. I mean, there's nothing specific. I, you know, I watch a lot of TV. I, as my, and my husband, that's that's the great escape. (laughs) I mean, I like to read. I like to read. I meditate. I do yoga. Yes, yes. Pat is always out like doing travel. Art I like to travel and traveling. Like yeah, we all yes. like, you know, we like it's for sure. But yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I, we did spend a podcast talking about this, the importance of having different friend groups, right? Because they all yes. bring to the table. Like your autism moms are great, but you know what? It's always all about our kids, right? So it's kind of nice yes. to have your you know, your friends that you grew up with and your friends from the neighborhood and your, you know, daughter is friends, parents. So like all of those different groups enrich your life in different ways. So, all right. It sounds, it looks like we're running out of time. We have loved having you. And is there anything that you want to close with? I I just wanted to mention one thing that my uh, son is now working at um, uh, Home Depot, part-time at Home Depot through an organization called Ken's Crew which I don't know whether you've heard of it, but it is, uh, they, it's an organization that trains and supports um, uh, n- neurodiverse uh, people in several um, jobs. One is um, Home Depot, the other one they have been um, CVS. And there are nine states, so it's not just New York. And I know that they're in New Jersey because they're having a golf uh, outing in New Jersey uh, to raise funds. Check it out. We'll check it out. (laughs) Listeners too. Yes. That's great. 
Well, Una, thank you so much for being our first guest. We appreciate it. So nice meeting you. Nice meeting you too. And I I mean, I can't, uh, I think what you're doing is terrific and I have no idea how to manage it, but you know, congratulations on all your success. Very very kind of you. Una, do you have any favorite products or anything that you like from us? Um, um, I have gotten your uh, bath bombs and, and candles and things like that. I have, I'm a customer. The reason I'm digging is because let's say um, we like to end with a little something for our listeners. So if you email Pat at Beloved Bath, uh, you will get a 15% off coupon for candles. Um, Any of our listeners, yes, please just email me at Pat at Beloved Bath and we will send you a discount code for 15% off candles. So thank you so much. Thank you. you. It's great. Thank you.